morning. Um, just as I start, let, let me just echo um, what uh, Harrington and Rob shared during, during our news around equip. Um, just the two things, you know, the Bible course, please don't miss out on that. Um, you know, every survey that I've read has said that those people that engage daily with the Bible do better in life. But the stats at the same time in our own church surveys have said that only 50% of Christians pick up their Bible from one Sunday to the next. That means that I, it's either you or the person sat next to you. So if it's you, pick up the flyer now and fill it out. If it's not you, then it's the person sat next to you. So have, a, have an encouraging word um, for them would be fabulous. Um, and th- the, second, the second thing is the Life Beyond Loss course. That's the one that I've signed up for, um, simply because, you know, I, I've experienced loss this year, and I don't want to make the assumption that I'm going to do well through that process. So I'm going to engage with that just to make sure that I do process that in, in a good way. So my encouragement for you is, you might be doing really fine in that, wonderful, just make sure. And if you're not doing fine, then it's a great thing to connect to. So please don't miss those opportunities. Wonderful. Let, let me ask you a question. If you ever have need to catch a monkey, how are you going to do it? If you ever, ever have a need to catch a monkey, how, how are you going to go about doing it? Here, here, here is apparently a, a way to do it. Um, it is called the South Indian monkey trap. And apparently what you need to do is hollow out a coconut and you make a hole in one end which is just slightly bigger than a monkey's paw. And then you put a chain on the other end and you tie it to a tree or a stake or something like that. And then you put some sweet rice into the coconut and then you wait. And what happens is the monkey comes along, puts its paw into the coconut, grabs the rice and then finds it can't take its paw out anymore. Now, you might say, well, the obvious thing to do is to just let go of the food and to withdraw your paw. The problem is this. Monkeys have a mental barrier to letting go of food. They can't do it. They can't do it. There is something in the brain of a monkey that when it grabs hold of food, it is physically unable to let go of it again. And so the monkey is literally trapped by an idea that is now lethal to it. And all it has to do is open its hand. For freedom, all it has to do is open its hand. Now, just to be really clear this morning, whatever some experts say, I don't believe that we are monkeys. But we also have a tendency to grip things tightly. You've been around young children. One of them has a toy or a football or some sweets. It's mine. And an adult will say, well, why don't you share? No. No. And as adults, we behave in pretty similar ways. It's my money. I earned it. I deserve it, I'm entitled to it, and we hold tight. This is my time. This is me time. It is mine. I deserve it. 
Bethan spoke back in February just brilliantly about consumerism. It is really easy in our world to live with a closed fist, to hold on to things very tightly. But I believe that Jesus asks us to live a different way. He asks us to live with an open hand. And living with an open hand is really important if you want to do well in life as a Christian. If you're here this morning and you say, well, I haven't made a decision for Jesus yet, you are incredibly welcome here this morning. And I hope that what we share today gives you some insight into the life that Jesus invites us to be a part of and that he's reaching out to you with this morning. So we're going to talk about living with an open hand. It's our new series, Open Hand, Releasing Compassion and Generosity. Uh, We're going to track through this for the next three weeks. I would love you to make a commitment today. If you're part of our church, be a part of this for the next three Sundays. And during this series, we're going to share what I think are some wonderful, exciting developments for our storehouse compassion ministry. We're going to show a video that is stunning, so please don't miss out on that. And as part of this series, we are going to talk about money. And I know that we don't like talking about money. You, you may have had this experience where you go out for a shared meal with friends, and then you get to that very awkward bit about, like, how is the bill going to get settled? And everyone is kind of going through their head, how is this going to work? Are we going um, ju- to each pay for what we ate? So we need to get the menu out and then work that out. Or, or are we just going to split the bill you know, in equal portions? And if that's the case, then what happens if that person has steak and I have the cheap burger? Because then I've lost out, so I better have the steak. And, and it gets really awkward. And then there's this moment where it's the settling up of the bill at the end. And it's like you're doing a drug deal. You know, it's like you're slipping people this little bit of money. It's really awkward. We don't like talking about it. You know, in a church, it is way, way easier to talk about sex, drugs, politics, I would even dare to say Brexit, than it is to talk about money. So why would we talk about money? Well, here's a couple of reasons why not. The question, is God himself in financial difficulty? No. Is the church in financial difficulty? No. God has been so gracious to us. So why talk about money? Here are three quick reasons. The first is this. God does not need our money, but he does want our hearts. God does not need our money, but he does want our hearts. You see, the truth is this. When we say yes to Jesus, we actually give him everything. Absolutely everything. And that includes all of our financial resources. You see, he's got the whole of me... And money is just one representation of where my heart is. Second reason, giving is a spiritual discipline that we must not ignore. Over 40% of Jesus' stories were about money. And if you look at the Bible as a whole, there are around about 500 verses on prayer and 2,000 verses on giving. You do well to take attention to that. And the third reason is that for us in this church, Riverside Vineyard Church, we want to be the most generous church for our communities. We want to be marked as people that live with an open hand, that are marked by living with compassion and generosity. So 
If you have a Bible with you this morning, could you turn to Luke chapter 18? Over these next three weeks, we're going to look at three stories from Luke 18 and 19. So you might have a paper Bible, you might have a a digital, you know, on the phone or whatever. The words will come up on the screen in a moment. The first story that we're going to look at in this series is verses 18 to 30 of Luke chapter 18. I'm going to read from the message version this morning. So if you're familiar with this story, it might just sound a little bit um, different today. So from verse 18, one day, one of the local officials asked him, let's ask Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to deserve eternal life? That is a big question, really big question. Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. Important, Jesus is not denying that he's God. He is simply provoking a response in this guy and saying, who do you think I am? Who do you think? You know the commandments, don't you? No illicit sex, no killing, no stealing, no lying. Honor your father and mother. He said, I've kept them all for as long as I can remember. Wow. Good guy. Good guy. When Jesus heard that, he said, then there's only one thing left to do. Sell everything you own and give it away to the poor. You will have riches in heaven. Then come, follow me. That was the last thing the official expected to hear. He was very rich and became terribly sad. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let them go. Remember the monkey. Seeing his reaction, Jesus said, Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? I'd say it's easier to thread a camel through a needle's eye than get a rich person into God's kingdom. Then who has any chance at all? The others asked. No chance at all, Jesus said, if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. Peter tried to regain some initiative. We left everything we owned and followed you, didn't we? Yes, said Jesus, and you won't regret it. No one who has sacrificed home, spouse, brothers and sisters, parents, children, whatever, will lose out. It will all come back, multiplied many times over in your lifetime, and then the bonus of eternal life. Anyone feeling a little bit uneasy or uncomfortable yet? Just me? Challenging stuff, isn't it? I mean, if someone tells you that uh, being a Christian is for weak people, show them a text like this. Because this is what Jesus asks of us. You know, I wonder if you're someone that reads the gospel stories in the Bible, have you ever noticed that Jesus always gave more than was needed? Have you noticed that? Jesus turned up at a wedding and they'd run out of wine. And so Jesus turned what was probably about 150 gallons of water into fine wine. Way more than was needed. Jesus went to a picnic. 5,000 people, they'd forgotten food. And instead of just providing enough food, 
Jesus provided enough so that there was 12 baskets of leftovers, just more. Jesus went for dinner with one of his friends called Peter. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And so Jesus healed her and then healed everyone who was sick in the entire town. That's Jesus. You see, Jesus was someone who lived with an open hand, who released abundance into our world. And that is what he asks us to do. Do you see that in verse 22? When Jesus heard what this young guy was saying, he said, there's only one thing left to do. Sell everything you own and give it away to the poor. You will have riches in heaven, then come, follow me. Jesus asks us to live with an open hand. In other words, let go. Think about the monkey. Let go. And you know, it's not just money that we need to kind of loosen our grip on. It's things like our time, our wills, our emotions, our heart, our agenda in life, our hopes and dreams, letting go. But money is important because money is something that we so often have a very hard grip on in life. The great theologian Martin Luther said this. He said there are three conversions necessary in the Christian life. The conversion of the head, the conversion of the heart, and the conversion of the purse or the wallet. And I would suggest the hardest of those three is the wallet. 40% of Jesus' stories, as I've said, are about money. And I believe that's because he knows how tightly we can grip onto financial resources. And what Jesus is saying to us this morning is, open your hands. Open your hands. Live with an open hand. Now, when Jesus says that to the official in our story, the reaction is quite striking, isn't it? Let me read it again. Verse 23. It says, this was the last thing the official expected to hear. He thought he'd done a really good job in life. This was the last thing he expected to hear. He was very rich and became terribly sad. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let them go. Living with an open hand is not easy. It is not easy. When we say yes to Jesus, he gets everything. He gets it all. All of our money, all of our time, all of our energy, all of our hopes and dreams, he gets it all. What that means is that he is now Lord over our time and money and not us. And so what we do with our time and our money is no longer our decision. If we've said yes to Jesus, it's now his decision. How many of you have found that a really easy thing to do? It's hard, isn't it? Or is it just me? Are you the most sanctified bunch of people this side of glory? So you need to pray for me because I find it hard. I find it hard to give Jesus absolutely everything. Full surrender is not easy, but there is good news for us this morning. Listen to what Jesus says to him, verses 26 and 27. You know, the people around said, then who has any chance at all? In other words, Jesus, what you're asking is just up there. Who has any chance of living the way that you ask us to live? And this is what Jesus says, no chance at all if you, can think, if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. See, the good news is that God helps us to live with an open hand. We find it hard. God helps us. You see, one of the things that I, that I love is the way that God is 
fully committed to you and to me for us to become like Jesus. He is fully committed to that process. He's so fully committed that he sent his son Jesus to live and to die and to be resurrected because he's 100% committed to us. He's so committed to us that he sends his Holy Spirit to live within us, the hope of glory. 100% committed to us. And so, in the light of God's commitment to us, one of the great Christian prayers is this. Help. It's a complex, theologically loaded prayer. Help. I need help. So we simply come on our knees to Jesus, humbly before him, and say, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I want to live life with an open hand. I want to be someone who lives with compassion and generosity. I want to be someone who releases abundance into our world. But Jesus, I'm finding it hard. And Jesus, I'm coming asking that you would help me to win the battle with money in my life. Win the battle with sex, with addiction, with how I use my time. Jesus, I need your help. These are battles that are bigger than me. I need your help. So we come and we ask for his help. Open hand is what Jesus asks us to do. Living with compassion and generosity. So what does this mean for us in this season of our church? Here at Riverside Vineyard, what does it mean for us? Well, there are lots of things that I love about the Vineyard family of churches and that I love about this church. One of them that's right up on the top of the list is the way that we care for the poor. That is right up at the top of the list for me. John Wimber, who was the founding pastor of the Vineyard Family of Churches, used to say this. If you don't care for the poor, don't put the name Vineyard over the door. If you don't care for the poor, don't put the name Vineyard over the door. It is right at the heart of who we are. And for us in this church, our main compassion ministry project is something that we call Storehouse. Storehouse was established over 20 years ago. It serves hundreds of families each year who find themselves in physical need, in poverty. And they are referred to us by over 80 professional agencies. So health visitors, social workers, GPs, schools refer families to us. And Storehouse provides emergency food, uh, children's clothing, toys, equipment like prams and cots and things like that. Uh, baby packs for, for newborn babies. They are a thing of beauty, the way that they are given to those that have just had children. Um, there are four allotments that are being cultivated that provide fresh food and vegetables for uh, those families that are in need. Um, there's a drop-in cafe that provides connection and relationship and belonging for families. Um, we're looking to empower those families through things like money management courses, running happiness courses, things like that. And I know that there are many in our church that care deeply about Storehouse. And the reason for that, I believe, is this. It catches our hearts because it's God's heart. That's why it does. If you've wondered, why do I care about Storehouse? It's because it catches our hearts because it's God's heart. That that's why it resonates so deeply within us. Now, for the past two or three years, God has been increasing the dreams that we have for the Storehouse Project. And a couple of years ago, we started this journey into this new future of Storehouse by building a new toy storeroom. 
And some of you will have been around at the time when we built that and opened it. That, that's just a picture of it. And some of you will have gone and seen that room. It's, it's in the back half of the building here. For me, this is one of my most favorite rooms in the whole church center. It is peaceful. It is beautiful. But most of all, the reason that I love it the most is because it is a space where we can serve families in need with incredible generosity and greater dignity. And I love the way that it helps us to do that. Now, we said at the time that we built that, that we would love to do the same with our provision of food and clothing to families in poverty. And so this is what Storehouse looks like right now. Um, the clothes are provided on temporary clothes rails and in these uh, delightful plastic boxes. So what happens when a, a family comes in, we take a box off the shelf, um, put it on a table, and they go rummaging through uh, to find stuff. The equipment, cots and prams, is really hard to get to. This is the area that's affectionately known as the garage, which is out the back. And at times, it feels literally like a mission of death and danger to go and get a pram or a cart. You're, you're rummaging through stuff. You're worried what's going to fall off of shelves. Uh, just not at all easy. And in terms of our food storehouse, at the moment, it runs from a small room over in the back half of the building. And there's not enough room for families to get into that room. So what the team does is to pack bags for the families, and we just hope that we get it right. We hope that we put the stuff in there um, that is useful to them. Now, our dream as a church is to create a space for people to shop. Free of charge, where people can go and choose stuff for themselves. We want people that come in, that are part of Storehouse, that we're serving through Storehouse, to be able to browse shelves, just like any of us do when we go and pick up our groceries that they can have that experience, that we can serve them with that greater dignity, that they can go and choose what is helpful for their family. But to move into this new season will require a significant redevelopment of the space that is used by Storehouse. And we believe that the time to do this is now. Now is the time for us to act. Now is the time. Thank you. Now is the time. God is speaking to us. We want to serve with an open hand, releasing compassion and generosity. Now is the time. So where is this space? Let me orientate you around our building a little bit. If you go on to this next slide, this is the ground floor of the Vineyard Center. If you weren't quite sure where you are right now, you're in the auditorium. I hope that's not a surprise. Um, but that's the bottom right-hand corner here. If we zoom in to the back half of the building, storehouse is very much kind of scattered. It doesn't work particularly well in terms of the way the space is laid out and in the ways that we can serve families that come in. So here's what we dream of doing. It's creating a whole dedicated part of our building to storehouse compassion ministry. Creating space where we can create these areas of, of shop-like experience so people can come in and choose clothes and pick up food and have that dignity of being served in that way. We're also very aware that we need to create more space for 
for food donations. Our requirement for food is going up and up and up, month by month. And we've got some ideas of how we can help businesses contribute to that, um, supermarkets, but we need space to be able to develop ministry in that way. And so um, it's very much creating a brand new space, redeveloping the, the area that we affectionately call the garage, creating proper spaces where we can serve families that are in poverty. What might this physically look like on the ground? Well, the storehouse team together with Elliot have put together a fantastic video um, that talks about that. I, I watched it last week. I had tears in my eyes. I've spoken to a bunch of other people who, who got a preview of the video. They were crying as well. We're going to show it next Sunday. So please come, come to church with a tissue and don't miss it because it is stunning. It gives us a glimpse of the future that Jesus is calling us into, of how we can live with an open hand of releasing compassion and generosity. So please don't miss that next weekend. But here's a little sneak. Here is a picture from the video that we're going to show next week that just gives an idea of the spaces that we are wanting to create. And we believe that we can do this together because together we can serve families that are in poverty with greater dignity and with compassion and with generosity. Now at the same time, on the other wing of the old part of the building, we're aware of some fairly pressing needs that we need to address. These are in the rooms that are used primarily on the ground floor by our youth, by young people, and on the first floor by our young vineyard children. And this is what those rooms currently look like. It's specifically the windows in those rooms. Those, the windows are really old. They are, they've been here way longer than we have been in this building. They do not shut properly. The rooms are drafty. They are difficult to heat. That is not good for the environment and is definitely not good for our utility bills. And they need desperate need of replacement. And what we would love to do is something like this. That's better, isn't it? We, we, we need to serve our young people and children in the best ways that we can. Now, all of this taken together, this is a significant project. We have estimated a project cost of about £75,000. And to give you more detail of that, we have produced a brochure for everyone that is a part of our church. I'm opening up my envelope, which contains my brochure, and it looks like that, releasing compassion and generosity. And that will give you a whole lot more detail of what we believe Jesus is saying to us as a church. If you are in a small group or you're on one of our serving teams, there is an envelope at the back of the auditorium with your name on it this morning. Uh, we would love you please to go and pick that up because that will save us a whole lot of postage. If there isn't one with your name on it and you are in a group or on a team, you have our apologies in advance. It's just possible that your leader has not let us know and so we didn't have an updated list this morning. But there are also a whole pile of blank envelopes this morning. So if you can't find your envelope or you're not yet on a team or maybe you're just visiting this morning and you want a copy of this, please pick up one of those envelopes. Bottom line, I would love everyone that's here this morning, that's part of our church, to leave with an envelope. So would you do that? Would you help us by doing that?
this morning. In this envelope, you'll find uh, the brochure um, and also a response card, which we'd love everyone to prayerfully consider um, and to bring along to a service in two weeks' time on the 19th of May. And so over these next two weeks, here are five things I want to invite everyone to do. If you're part of our church, I want to invite you to do this. The first thing is this. Would you read the brochure? It's going to take you about five minutes. Please have a read of the brochure. Second thing, would you take this season in our church's life to review your finances, including giving, in the light of the wisdom of the Bible? And to help with that, we've got a little booklet which we've called Generous Giving, which helps us to think about what the Bible says about finances. For example, it helps us to think about the issue of tithing. Is that, does that apply to New Testament Christians? What do we think about that? helps us to think about um, the local church being the focal point of our giving. So please, would you do that over the next couple of weeks? Third thing, please pray. Please pray about your regular giving to Riverside Vineyard Church if this is the church that's home for you. And when you pray, would you ask the Lord to speak to you, listen, and then trust him by doing what he says? Sounds quite straightforward, doesn't it? Ask, listen, and then trust by doing what he says, because he can be trusted in that. Fourth thing, would you at the same time please consider whether you're able to give over and above your regular giving to this open hand project that's part of our ongoing church center development? We believe that together we can press into this future. And the fifth thing then is to simply complete the response card, bring it along to a service on the 19th of May. If you're away that weekend, you can send it directly into the church office or hand it in at the information point at the back. You know, in all of this, one of the things that I love the most is the way that Jesus invites us to be a part of what he's doing in our world. Did you, did you see that in the story that we read? When Jesus has this interaction with this, this official, he says to him, man, you're doing, you're doing well, but there's, there's one thing. Sell what you've got and give it to the poor. In other words, he was inviting him to partner in what God was doing in the world. And that is an incredible privilege, isn't it? I find that a huge privilege, that Jesus would invite people like me, people like you, to be a part of what he's doing in our world including serving the poor. We get to be a part of that. And so this official is invited in to be a part of releasing compassion and generosity into his world. And so are we. And that is a huge privilege. But it takes us living with an open hand. Living with an open hand enables us to be a part of what God is doing. But it's going to take an open hand. Because if we live with a tight, closed hand, we'll be like the monkey. Freedom gets taken away from us. Jesus asks us to live with an open hand. Living with an open hand positions us to be used by Jesus. And at the heart of the story that we read, Jesus essentially asks the official a question. And I believe he asks us the same question. It's a really challenging question, but it's one that I believe we need to have an answer to. The question is this. What's in your hands and what are you going to do with it? And that's a big question, but it's a really important question. 
what is in your hands and what are you going to do with it? Not what is in somebody else's hands, that's their issue. Not what you wish was in your hands or what used to be in your hands. What is in your hands and what are you going to do with it? You see, we can only ever come to Jesus as we are. And we can only ever give from what he has given to us. So what is in your hands and what are you going to do with it? And what I also love in the story, and you may have picked this up, is the way that if we will do that, if we will respond to what Jesus says and live with an open hand, there is reward. There is blessing. Did you see that? Verse 22. When Jesus has the the start of this interaction, he says to him, you know, if you do this, there are riches in heaven for you. And at the end of the story, and I'll read verses 29 and 30 again. This is what Jesus says to him. He says, you won't regret it. No one who has sacrificed home, spouse, brothers and sisters, parents, children, whatever, will lose out. It will all come back, multiplied many times over in your lifetime, and then the bonus of eternal life. Living with an open hand attracts God's blessing. It attracts God's blessing. Now, let me be very clear. If you give... I don't think there is a promise you can find in the Bible that says you're going to get rich. I don't see that. But you will be blessed. You will be blessed. And I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. So I'm going to do all that I can to live with an open hand. What about you? Do you want to be blessed? Or do you want to be like that monkey that gets trapped? It's a powerful example. Because we hold on tight, we lose freedom. Open hand releases us into the blessing of freedom. That's what Jesus asked us to do. That's what he asked us to do. Let me close with this. Some of you may have heard of a Dutch lady called Corrie ten Boom. She and her family helped many Jews escape from the Nazi Holocaust by by physically hiding them. She was eventually caught. She was arrested and sent to a concentration camp. And she's written some wonderful books. Probably one of the most famous is a book called The Hiding Place. And she she wrote this, and I think this is so wise. I have learned to hold all things loosely so God will not have to pry them out of my hands. I have learned to hold all things loosely so God will not have to pry them out of my hands. That is wise. 